This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. And in this episode, survival suggestions for South Africa's cash-strapped entrepreneurs. There's a lot of hot air around entrepreneurship, but one thing that is indisputable is that the thousands of hard souls who start and build businesses are the job-creating engine of any economy. With South Africa's formal unemployment measured at almost 30%, the health of this sector is critical to close the backlog and for the future of this country on the southern tip of Africa. Getting quantifiable information on this sector is a challenge. But I have a source. Mercantile Bank focuses on serving entrepreneurs, primarily those in the job-creating 1 million rand to 40 million rand a year turnover category. Given the unique insight it has into its clients' books, to find out how well the business creators are doing, I popped over to Mercantile's chief executive, Carl Cumbia, for a chat and a cup of decaf coffee today. As you'll hear, the news wasn't good. Cumbia reckons that the going for entrepreneurs has not been tougher at any time since he moved to Mercantile nine years ago. On the upside, though, he does offer some practical suggestions on those who are under pressure, showing them how they can ride out the storm and actually opening up an opportunity for them to look at things a little differently, particularly when it comes with relationships with bankers. He leaves us with a survival kit, if you like, for entrepreneurs. A few years ago, we had to come up with a, a strategy for the bank. And my predecessor, Dave Brown, he was uh, an ex-commercial banker from Standard Bank, so he really started moving the mercantile, the old Bank of Lisbon, yeah, changed to mercantile, started moving it in the direction of you know, the business banking market. And then a few years ago, you know, when I took over the bank, we sat with our senior team and we said, um, uh, we need to come up with a purpose. Yeah? You know? And we said, well, what, our sole purpose in life is to grow entrepreneurs, so why don't we focus on entrepreneurs? And then our strategy was very simple. We said to ourselves, we want to become the best business bank in South Africa. That's what we wanted to do. Growing entrepreneurs. That is different because most of business in South Africa is not entrepreneurial. It's more corporate. Yes, that's right. But I think if you look at job creation and the, you know, who employs people, uh, you probably find 50% or more is through SMEs. Yeah. And I think if you look at the one segment of the market that I think is very badly serviced you know, uh, is the SME segment. So you speak to anyone with their, with their own business, you know, they'll, they'll tell you yeah, they're not getting great service, their relational manager changes every six months, you know, they're only a number in, the, you know, in one of the, the big organizations. So, so, yeah, so we just think it's a segment of the market badly serviced where we think we can make a difference. And if you can provide entrepreneurs with you know, facilities to help grow their business, they grow and at the same time we grow. So how are they doing in South Africa, entrepreneurs? Yeah, look, I think the market's very tough. Um, you know, I've been out mercantile for nine years, and if I, you know, if I look at it, I'd say it's probably the toughest I've seen, you know, the, the economy. So it's, um, you know, small businesses, there's just no cash flow at the moment. So even your large corporates are struggling to pay small businesses. So small businesses all supply goods to either government or to the corporates. They're not getting paid on time anymore, so they're... Uh, they rely on their, their debtors to pay, and their debtors' days on average must be going out 10, 15 days now compared to a few years ago. So, What does it mean? So that means they're getting paid 15 days later. Yeah. And so maybe let's use an example. Uh, you supply goods to a large corporate, and they pay you 30 days after invoice. Now everyone's finding excuses not to pay, and on average it's taking, instead of your book, you know, being your, your debtors paying you after 30 days, they're actually paying you 45 days. 
So that 15 days doesn't sound like much to you, know, to you are, but if you've got your own business, 15 days of cash flow is huge and it puts a massive strain on the entrepreneur's business. No, no, as an entrepreneur, that means a lot to me. I, I, <laughs> I get it. I, I, I get it, to, and I think every entrepreneur yeah. does. But that 15 days, if you think about it, as the, as the entrepreneur to begin with, you're the bank for a corporate, which seems all crazy. But now not only are you the bank for the corporate for 30 days, because they're only paying you 30 days after invoice, now, you've got to, now it goes to 45 days. That can't be good for the economy. No, no definitely not. And I think the, and what it does is it puts um, you know, cash flow pressure on the, on the SME, and then the SME suddenly, you know, maybe they miss a payment on a loan or, or a debit order or something, and then suddenly the, the track record from a credit point of view goes out a little bit as well. So maybe they can't, yeah, they struggle to pay wages at the end of the week or salaries at the end of the month. So, so it's a massive knock-on effect for a, for a, a small business. So, so if you say, so, so if I look at the whole economy now, the, the reason you had businesses that have been in business for 20, 30 years, and suddenly they might be out of business purely because of you know, you know, cash flow. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing companies that have been around for 20, 30 years going out of business? Definitely. I mean, we. Uh, not to, I mean we've always we like to think we've got very strong partnerships with our customers so we can identify an issue early on I think that's where um, we are a little bit different because we're so close to our customers so we'd rather sit around the table with our customers and say if there is an issue talk to us you know how do we help you you know get through this this cash flow crunch and maybe it's extending the term of a loan over a longer period so your installments less or you know providing a temporary facility because we know the debtor will eventually pay we're just waiting yeah it might just take a month or two longer but you know it's where i suppose the person hasn't been able to do that that suddenly times are tough and they start defaulting and, and out of business but we've seen quite a few customers that have you know uh, have been around forever you'd never think would have an issue suddenly they've uh, they've, got, they've got big problems yeah so and as I said, that's the first time you're starting to see that in a long time. Why? I think it's purely the economy. You're not getting the so your turnover levels are maybe a little bit less. Your margins are being squeezed because competition is suddenly yeah a lot yeah more um, yeah, rife now, I suppose. And uh, and also because people aren't paying you on time. So I think it's a combination of all of those those factors. I mean, you just say, take a look at the construction industry now. Uh, we're not in with any of the large. Yeah, the, the big construction player, but how many of them have gone into business rescue or liquidation? Now imagine the knock-on effects for a small supplier to the construction industry. So, yeah, if one of these, uh, like a Basil Reed or whatever, owed um, one of these suppliers who's a typical, maybe a, whether it's a brick supplier or someone who supplies steel or someone supplies labor or something like that, and suddenly they go under, yeah, there's a, they, there's a massive knock-on effect for the small business, which is a good chance of going under as well because of one of the large ones going under. Carl, you guys do pride yourself on relationships, long-term relationships with entrepreneurs. But let, let's just take a, an example. Group 5, yeah. uh, it's in business rescue. They clearly aren't paying 30 days anymore. They're paying as long as they possibly can. Yeah. If you ha were running a business, you have Group 5 as one of your, as your customers, your, maybe even your major customer. It's gone into business rescue. What does the entrepreneur do about that if they bank with you? Yeah, look, hopefully they haven't got concentration risk where their only customer is Group 5 in that example. Yeah. So what we try and do is before we lend uh, entrepreneur money, we, we try to look at, we'll, have, we'll assess a debtor's book to make sure there isn't concentration risk on one particular debtor because obviously if they do, that debtor does go under, this business won't survive. So hopefully their debtor's book is spread amongst a few. And, uh, and if the thing, if a big one like that goes into business rescue, there's unfortunately nothing that SME can do 
with regards to that process because the process is not controlled by you as a, a creditor. That process is now controlled um, yeah, by a business rescue practitioner and everything gets put on hold. And so that money that was owed to you is probably you're never going to see it. Uh, hopefully you'll still be able to uh, there'll be post-commencement finance you know, uh, being raised through the business rescue practitioner where you can continue maybe supplying on a COD basis, cash basis, uh, and hopefully you can make back some margin to make up your losses. So I think that's the, you know, the route that most of these, these SMEs will take. But I think from our point of view, we'll look at it and say, yeah, there is a cash flow problem at the moment. They've lost that one you know, debtor. They're going to have to take a bad debt on it. And um, we'll assess it and say, right, maybe they need increased facilities for a while till they trade their way out of it. Uh, or I said earlier, or you spread your certain loans over maybe a longer period to make sure your installments a little bit less so it helps your cash flow monthly. So when do you as a bank, and now you are the entrepreneur's bank, it's not some big big uh, organization for whom putting another company out of business is, is, is kind of irrelevant. In your case, you have that relationship. When do you decide that you have to pull the rug? And, and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's a difficult one. You, you, it's probably the worst thing could ever happen because we don't ever want to do that because you, you know, we'll obviously lose a customer. There's a good chance we'll write off uh, a portion of our loan. Yeah, and it also takes forever you know, when a business goes into liquidation to, you know, to collect on your, your debt because you have to first um, liquidate it gets appointed, then you've got to you know, sell the assets, and then once the asset's been sold, then you've got a dividend, and hopefully it's gone on auction, and hopefully the buyer's got the money that, that to buy that. You know, at the end, you go through an auction process, and suddenly the buyer hasn't got the money. You know, so, it's, so sometimes these things can take you know, long, so you never you wish that on anyone, and we don't. It's the last thing in the world we want is to see one of our customers go, you know, go under. Um, so, so I think it'll only will only ever pull the plug when it's uh, when you 100% convinced this business there's no chance of survival. You know, it just cannot get through this you know, this cycle. Then it's um, then you'll have to you know, pull the rug, and then you'll have to do it you know, quite quickly because you because um, there's an old saying that you know, collections is like uh, eating an ice cream in the sun. The longer you take to eat, the less you're going to eat, right? So. So I think if you've got to the stage where there's no chance of collecting, then you've got to actually, unfortunately, operate quickly and then try and collect the debts as quickly as you can. Give us an example of that. So uh, what we'll do is, um, as a bank, typically we're the secured lender. So, um, and also also it depends on, often the entrepreneur knows that they they got issues and maybe they even put it into voluntary liquidation, then they'll talk to us and that's at least it's a managed process. It's when you're not working together that it could become an issue. But um, if we're the secured creditor, as an example, we've got a, a general material bond over plant and equipment and maybe a bond on a, on a property. Um, but what you want to do is um, if, you, if we've got a general material bond over plant equipment, uh, when times are tough uh, and there's no chance of this business surviving, we'll then call in our facilities. But what you then have to do is you, you've got to go and perfect your security. So in other words, you've got to go into the business, you've got to mark the stuff that's yours because we've got the bond over it. Uh, you've got to basically take control of the premises, the factory or the shop, whatever it is. And then um, and then once you've got that, then that uh, that, uh, that equipment is effectively yeah, ours. Then it'll get sold through a, through a process. So these are the type of things you've got to do very quickly. Same as, like, so now we, there's a truck. There's an installment sale agreement on a truck. You know, the truck's got wheels, it's got an engine, that thing can disappear quickly. So if thing has gone, the business has gone into um, liquidation, you've got to go and find the truck um, quickly, then you have to you know, appoint an auctioneer, and the auctioneer's got to go and sell it. So the quicker you do all of that, the better from mm-hmm. a collections point of view. An interesting example with, with Steinhoff. 
uh, Steinhoff, as we know, is lots of corruption and everything else, but they bought a, a company, the biggest foreign acquisition ever by a South African company, called Mattress Firm in the United States. Mattress Firm is pretty worthless. Uh, the banks had lent a lot of money to it. And the way that Steinhoff, the new Steinhoff, have, have negotiated w their way out of that is by bringing uh, the, the banks to the party. So the banks extended credit, took 50% of the equity now in Mattress Firm, and Mattress Firm is still trading. Mm. We're talking about multiples lower or smaller, but do you do that as well? Do you, do you, do you get involved with, a, with a, a business that might be able to trade its way out of pro uh, uh, trouble? And, and take an equity stake in lieu of debt? Have you ever done that? Yeah, we, uh, I think with SMEs, it's, I suppose, very different because you, something like that, you're talking massive numbers. And I think, uh, obviously, um, the banks have had a look at that particular, yeah, that, that transaction itself and said, look, yeah, if we, this thing goes into liquidation tomorrow, we're going to take a massive hiding. And, um, but we think there's light at the end of the tunnel. We think this business is sustainable with the right management team. So we think it will be in the best interest to all get together and convert half of our debt into equity. At least then we, they can continue servicing that portion of debt that's left. And we still have the upside of this. If this business does turn around, you know, we can make a go of it. See, that, that you can do in these large organizations. I suppose like Edcon, you know, locally in that, you know, where some of the debt providers converted to equity. African Bank was an example where, you know, debt providers converted to equity. So that's where you see a future for the business and you think it can survive. I think with the SME, it's quite difficult. You don't want to own shares in the SME because it's not, it's not very corporatized, if you know what I mean. So it hasn't got the governance that a large organization has. And so you don't really ever want to own shares. So we'd rather sit with the entrepreneur and, and structure our loan in a way that actually suits their cash flow need over those tough times. So, so maybe it's an interest-only period on the loan for two years until they trade their way out and then they repay the loan over another five years. So that's, you know, we'd rather follow that route. And, but sometimes we do take um, what we call equity options. So if we, and we do it, if we somehow we're financing a leverage buyout, you've got an existing business and you want to buy another business. Um, so it's not a distressed example. This is more uh, an opportunity to grow. Uh, and we say, okay, great, you've got X amount of you know, security in both businesses now, um, but we're still short a little bit of security. But we really think there's enough, is, we've assessed it, there's enough cash flow in this business to you know, service the levels of debt. However, our risk is quite high, and we're effectively taking some equity risk, if you want to call it that. Um, we'll then provide the loan, because we share the cash flow can sustain that level of debt, um, but we'll take an equity option in the business, which just means we have an option to get equity for free in a few years' time. And, but we never want to own those shares. What we do is we immediately put that option back to the entrepreneur and they pay us out for it. So, and we come up with a formula. As an example, the formula might be two and a half times EBITDA in three years' time and 10% of that. That's what we want. And then, you, uh, then they pay us a fee in lieu of the equity we would have had, I suppose, if we are taking equity. So some advice for entrepreneurs uh, in this tight cash flow environment. Yeah, I think you must just, uh, you mustn't, you must, uh, you know, you do what you do best. You know, concentrate on your, your business. I think obviously you want to look for new markets. I think the, the, the rest of Africa is an example. A lot of entrepreneurs you know, had, had to look outside of South Africa to, you know, to go and, you know, close to our borders, Mozambique. You know, um, Zim, I think, has got a few issues at the, at the moment, but other places, you know, Malawi. You know, um, uh, a lot of one of my friends to start up a business in the DRC, etc. So I think yeah, you know, people are looking elsewhere to to try and grow. 
But I think, yeah, that to me, the economy has to turn at some t- stage. You know, everything's in cycles. I think, um, you know, the elections are over. The elections have also been a big, you know, handbrake for business. You know, no one's really investing at the moment because everyone's waiting for the elections. At least now they're over. People now can get on with our lives and, and carry on, on, on growing. So, and I think if you once made it, if you're entrepreneurs are resilient. Eh? So I think if entrepreneurs have made it through these tough times over the last few years, you know, they, they understand the market, they understand their businesses, uh, the market will turn. And when it turns, these guys will get up to, you know, to ride the wave and, and, and grow again. So, so I think it's just yeah, going to make it through another six to 12 months. And after that, I think hopefully things are a lot better. And if you're in difficulty um, from everything you've said before, come and talk to us, talk to your bank uh, rather than, than open the door and start discussing because there could be a solution. I think people are sometimes worried about, geez, if I tell this, maybe the bank will pull the plug now because suddenly you know, I'm going to bring it to attention. But I can tell you now, as a banker, we'd much rather you be open and honest and come and talk to your bank and say, listen, I, I am going to have an issue. What you don't want to do is find out about it later when suddenly the thing's gone into business rescue or you know, or it's close to liquidation. You'd rather come and talk to your bankers up front, be open and honest, and then you sit around the table. You know, at the end of the day, it's a partnership. You know, we're partnering with you as a banker. Sit around the table and say, all right, what are the issues? Is this thing, is this business sustainable? What are you going to do to generate more turnover? How do you get out? What do you need from a bank's point of view? And then we sit around the table and we work out as a partnership how to, you know, to resolve your problem. And if it's, if we're all on the same page, you know, we can trade our way through this thing. But if you, if you surprise us in a few weeks time when things, you know, have gone too far down the road, then there's no chance. And then unfortunately the, your business will turn to one will go, you know, into liquidation or business rescue. And tell the truth. Yeah, tell the truth. 100%. If you hide stuff, that's another thing. We don't, yeah, we, if we only we feel we've got a really great relationship with all our, our, our customers and and have to be truthful and honest because if you don't tell the truth, that immediately is a massive negative tick and we you know and we we can't work with someone that doesn't tell the truth. I think that's the bottom line. Honesty really is the best policy, especially in business. That was Carl Cumbia, the chief executive of Mercantile Bank, and this has been the Rational Perspective. Till the next time, cheerio.